Welcome to Have a Life Teaching, the podcast designed for educators who are dedicated to enhancing their teaching practice and creating a positive impact on their students' lives. In each episode, we'll dive deep into the world of education, exploring a wide range of topics related to curriculum, instruction, and assessment in K-12 schools. Together, we'll learn from the brightest minds in the education field. So if you're a passionate educator who's ready to take your teaching practice to the next level, join us as we explore the exciting world of education. My name is John Shimbari, signing in and saying, let's have a life teaching. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Have a Life Teaching. One thing that I'm very interested in as not only an educator, but someone coming in from education after a career in international affairs and public policy is how is a global community we could be learning from each other and learning about best practices in education, Mm -hmm. not just from the Finlands of the world, but really a much more global perspective on global education and and what we should all be doing to not just promoting or supporting the learning of students, for example, in the global north, but also promoting the achievement of students in the global south. Because here in the States, those of my listeners from the States know, we still have learning gaps, particularly between richer communities and poorer communities. So that same inequality exists on a global scale between the global north and the south. So one of my goals in this podcast is definitely to be speaking with educators around the world to really set the tone for having a global community of change and school improvement. So with that in mind, one country that I'm fascinated by, having visited there uh, a few times, is India. I mean, if we look at India just as a global player, I think it's the largest democracy in the world, folks, if not uh, one of the largest democracies. I think population-wise, it's set to exceed China. And those of you that look on LinkedIn know that there are many education entrepreneurs coming out of India. A lot of tech is coming out of India. So I'm really excited today to have Greshma Mamaya joining us. Greshma is the founding principal of a K-12 school in Bangalore, India, which will have the Cambridge and CBSE board curriculum. And it's a K-12 school called Prathana. Prathana. Am I pronouncing that right, Greshma? Kind of. Prathana. (laughs) Prathana. Okay. Prathana. And she's going to start next year with playgroup year two, going all the way up to grade five. So, and I should add that Greshma has had a a long career in education. She was also head of Trio Tots at Trio World Academies. And she supported the work of Zadua, which is an online social media platform for schools and parents in India. So Greshma, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. And thank you for the introduction. Greshma, with that in mind, could you tell us a little bit more about how you got into education and how you ended up gravitating towards leadership? Yes. So um, getting into education industry was actually not by choice. I always wanted to get in, do MBA and, you know, get into HR and all of that. But my father came from a thought process that um, 
you know, I want, I don't want you to work in corporate, but I'm okay if you want to be a teacher. And that's where I got into, because I wanted to work, I got into a teaching field. And uh, being teacher in schools in Mumbai and in Bangalore. And then I came across a leadership position at Trio World Academy as a head of Trio Tots, where I had, I was the principal of the pre-primary grades from playgroup to UKG. For, and we had like 330 children and I had a team of 35 teachers there. So that's how I got the leadership opportunity. And that's where I think the journey of uh, also constantly learning and uh, looking for best practices, best pedagogy started. And uh, I worked there for eight and a half years, the trained the teachers, the therapists up the whole school and all of that and then again I, go, I got an opportunity to become the founding principal of a K-12 school and I grabbed on the opportunity and that's how I am here uh, working in this industry for last 17 years now. Oh that is wonderful so tell us a little bit more about your new school. Yes very very excited to get on the uh, to get on board with the school because um, I think the tagline of the school itself really attracted me, which says the potential to change is always within. And we will be working on within curriculum, right? So which will focus more on children's thoughts, expressions, reflective practices. And the best part of the school is um, right from the school management's. Everyone is into reflection. They believe that reflection is an important part of uh, our journeys. And that's why when it comes from the top, uh, everyone gets into the reflection modes also. So uh, there will be reflective practices, not just for us, but for teachers, for children, you know, for parents, like for children to understand, okay, what did I learn today? What I want to know more about? And uh, another thing that I really like about the schools is that they are going to promote a lot of reading and uh, creative writing because the founder secretary was a journalist. These are some of the things that are really exciting me. One thing you said there, Greshma, that really stood out to me is that your school is going to be a school where students are doing the critical thinking. They're doing the evaluation. They're thinking about their thinking, right? Because that is definitely a trend that we see overall in 21st century education and probably different from the way you and I were taught. So when you're talking about students thinking about their thinking, that metacognition, that critical thinking, that excites me. And it actually leads me to my next question for you, which is... What do you see as the trends for education in India in 2023 and beyond? Right now, India is at a stage of in the transition where we are kind of constantly adopting new pedagogies, new methodologies. There's a lot of growth and development that is happening in education sector, right? Uh, so in terms of education trend, there's a lot of that is coming into, uh, there's a new trend that has started after pandemic in India is the online learnings. So there are now schools 
in th- that have in india that have children across the world teachers from across the world and children are actually doing online learning so online learning is something that is becoming a new trend uh, even after the schools have act- physically opened now parents are opting for uh, online learning the second trend that we see is lot of uh, gamification that is coming in learning yeah so game, gamification is the new pedagogy that everyone is adopting um and then i also see lot of problem based learning and project based learning coming into the schools now so we are there are a lot of people using a lot of schools using design thinking as their model and then you know solving uh, children are actually involved in solving some problems that they see in their city in their surroundings so that is also something that is coming up and uh, ar and of course the virtual reality all of this is now becoming a trend and becoming a part of school so these are some of the trends that are coming up in india and we will be seeing more of this in tre- in the coming years why do you feel that there's this interest not mm-hmm. just in virtual or online learning but having your students exposed to teachers globally i think we all now are realizing that we need to give children the sports children to new information to new things that are happening in the world and having a global perspective because like now most of them i really like this line uh, that i had heard in one of the conference and i mostly use this in in my uh, presentations and conferences because i think everyone now wants to give their children local boots with local roots sorry global boots with local roots like you know every school every parent is now intending to give global boots to their children with local roots so they wanted to they want children to hold on to their culture uh, hold on to the indian culture but also have a global perspective of the world right nowadays the, which is very common pen pals is becoming very common in this in the, some of the schools where you have one school in india collaborating with one school either in us or in europe and children are actually collaborating with each other and doing some work so these are the things that are coming up and i think what i think what will happen is we are only making children more tolerant and uh, towards other culture towards other people so um, i think that's very important now um, and that's why online learning is becoming very very popular in india what do you see not just with online learning but what about the role of technology in indian schools in other ways yeah so of course um, uh, technology has uh, has been evolving for many years now so we earlier had uh, only one computer in the class which was just used by the teacher but now you have smart boards in in most of the classrooms nowadays a lot of learning uh, and especially after covid lot of their assignments are happening through technology and uh, especially uh, i don't know if you've seen this video on uh, on linkedin there was a, a a 360 degree view of uh, one of um, i think a view of uh, Uh, of a cave or of a of a uh, some some important place of historical uh, monument where children could see without traveling to that place exactly i mean that, that's the importance of technology i could say we could show them animals 
like in natural uh, setting, which they would never get to see. Now, one concept that folks here and, and myself included might not understand completely, but you might be able to help us. I keep hearing and reading about the the NEP in India, the new education policy. What is that yes. exactly? So a uh, new education policy was launched in 2020. And uh, I think the that was the latest version. And the last uh, education policy that was updated was like 35 years back. So th- now uh, we see a lot of play-based learning, toy-based learning, all of that in the new education policy. And the biggest change that we see in new education policy, uh, in the earlier policy, the the pre-primary, which is your preschool, was not considered officially. Mm. It started only from grade one. But now with new education policy, even the pre-primary years are being considered. They are part of the framework. They are part of the policy. So early years has got a recognition now, moreover. So I think uh, being also as an early years expert, that was a very big uh, uh, achievement, I would say, and a proud moment for us that, okay, now early years are also taken seriously, right? So um, now from nursery, which is your three years um, up to grade two is considered as foundational years. And then, of course, you have grade three, four and five, which is your primary, uh, primary and your middle stage and your high school. But the biggest change that we saw, two biggest changes that we saw in NEP is recognition for early years. So there will be regulations for early years also. And the uh, second biggest change was the innovation, the uh, like, you know, the addition of play based learning and toy based learning uh, in the in the and which is like mandatory it's not an option it's it is mandatory for every school to have play-based learning and toy-based learning you can add on to it but this is is a basic requirement now that's that's fascinating especially because that's a similar issue to what we're having here in the states because there's so much and and we're going to get to challenges in what india is facing in a moment but you know what what resonates with what you just said for me is Here in the States, there's the challenge of getting in more academics. And the way that a lot of schools do that is to compromise on recess time, to compromise on Mm playtime, which research shows is actually not in the best interest of our students because our students actually learn from play. They learn from exploration. And actually, we really don't want to be cutting out that play. We actually want to be extending it. And so some schools have tried to also mm-hmm. obviously bring in play and to your point before gamification into the learning right. process itself if they mm-hmm. don't have as much time to provide students with re- recess. Although I think it is a wrong move to to, to get rid of recess in its entirety. You know, we talked about integrating play. We talked about in India. We talked about student critical thinking and metacognition we talked about technology we talked about all these great things that that india is doing and how they're embedding it in legislation through the new education policy the nep you yourself are creating this amazing new school with play as its foundation all sounds great what are the challenges 
I mean, any new thing that you do, any new change has their own set of uh, challenges that we come across. And the biggest, um, I think, uh, challenge that we are facing is in the implementation one. There are no particular deadlines or guidelines given in terms of implementation of new education policy. Like, where do we start from? What is the first step that you want us to make change in? Okay, because it's like everyone is very clueless right now. Where do I start from? Right. That is one. Second, when you are introducing play-based learning and, you know, toy-based pedagogy, uh, you might have to give more time to each unit or concept that you're introducing, which means a little bit of reduction in, in the whole uh, portion or the curriculum that needs to be covered is also required. Right. Because if you're saying play based learning, sometimes it might take more time than than what teachers would have anticipated. Mm -hmm. Right. So if teachers have like you were saying, if teachers have that burden of completing the curriculum, then the play based learning will happen. Then they will maybe cut down on the recess time and the play time and the physical education time or art time. So it doesn't make sense. That is something like reduction of a portion, I think, is important. And third is, I think, training. Because teachers in India uh, were used to teach through a rote learning method, chalk and talk method. And if you're saying that now they have to do play-based learning and they would be like, how do I do that? Because uh, yeah. free... Free play was just one period in a week or two period in a week for, for pre-primary and primary children. We are bringing play to the classrooms. How do we do that? So I think those are the challenges that we are facing. And the biggest challenge I feel, so there are a lot of changes that have happened in the education policy uh, in terms of even the age criteria, right? Which means uh, earlier, uh, a, a child who is five years old or five 5.5 years old would get admission to grade one. But now they have made grade, uh, you know, six years as the age cutoff for grade one. So what happens to the children who are studying in grade two, grade three, grade four right now? What do you do about that? So those guidelines are kind of also missing. And a lot of changes have happened and everyone is interpreting NEP as per their own way. Interpretations sometimes are very different. So, so the guideline, for example, says that uh, mother tongue should be promoted. And if a child is not understanding English, the school should make arrangement for the child to be taught in mother tongue also. And then slowly move on to English. So some of the educators got really scared and, you know, they said that, oh, mother tongue has become kind of mandatory now in schools and India has so many languages. So how will we get so many teachers? Right. So interpretation is, is different. Got it. Yeah. And you were also talking about, and maybe this gets to your point uh, about training before we came on, on Mike, you were talking about, you know, and you mentioned it also in your, in your conversation about the, the adoption of Western pedagogy, right? Uh, you mentioned that Norwegian uh, schools are popping up and, and Finnish schools are popping up, but that there's a challenge there. What do you see as that challenge? So I think the first challenge that I see is the cultures are very different. 
For example, if I have to start from preschool and daycare uh, in India, it is absolutely uh, normal to feed the child with your hands and sometimes even kind of uh, force your child to eat. It's absolutely normal. Normal, But in, in Finnish, in Norwegian, in Swedish uh, schools, this is not normal. You, you cannot uh, make a child eat with your hand. You have to use a spoon or something. So there are cultural differences right from there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, that's one thing. Second thing, I see the mindset of, of uh, parents and educators in India as compared to in Western countries. Like here in India, the focus is more given on grades, on marks, on progress card. So a child with 90 and 95 percentage is considered to be an intelligent child. And a child, child has not got good marks. Okay, maybe it could be that some the child was not feeling well or the child was not in a mood to write an exam. Could be anything. But if the child has not got good marks, then the child is not considered as intelligent, right? So I think that difference is very, very, very clear because in uh, Western schools, especially in Norwegian, Finland and Swedish schools, not much importance is given to the marks. Mm. And that boils down to... Like in India, writing starts at the age of four years and five years, wherein there it starts only at six years and seven years. So children who are in Finnish schools or in um, Swedish and Norwegian schools, if they have to move to any other Indian school, they are finding it challenging and parents are also constantly comparing. So I think these are the major challenges. The mindset is the biggest uh, difference that I, I see like even teachers even if you are using Norwegian curriculum Finnish curriculum the teacher is Indian so you need a different kind of understanding different kind of skill set and different pedagogy uh, the pedagogical understanding of okay how this can be implemented in the setting which is all missing there are a lot of changes are happening but it will take some time the way we assess children is very different. We are assessing just on the memorization, how much information is stored here rather than assessing what the child has understood. Exactly. And, you know, you mentioned that your school and other schools in India are promoting critical thinking and student metacognition. Yes. So your assessments, as well as our own, so this isn't, you know, a criticism, will hmm. need to adapt to actually measuring students' ability to metacognate over that rote memorization. Yes. So that's, I don't know, is that, a, is that also a challenge in India at the moment? Or are the assessments starting to mirror mm -hmm. what's in the NEP? Um, so uh, there are the, the Indian boards, which is your CBSE board that I mentioned, and the ICSE board, to an extent, still measures based on the memorization, though uh, CBSE board is also moving to now competency-based education and assessment, right? But uh, there's a lot of change coming in. The schools that are IB board, like the IB schools and the Cambridge uh, schools, 
that are there in India, I think are have already changed the way their the assessments are because of the guidelines they get from the IB and the Cambridge Board. Right. Right. But the Indian schools and state schools still needs more change. And just for the benefit of our listeners, and I might be wrong about this, is the Cambridge system the UK system or the UK-based curriculum? Yes, yes. Okay, great, great. So, Greshwa, we talked about so many wonderful things, both the opportunities in India in terms of education, as well as those threats or those challenges. What didn't we cover what I would say now is also the advantages of Indian education system because one of the highest uh, or largest network of high uh, institutions, like the higher education institutions, are, is actually in India. Whatever said and done, uh, yes, we still have grades, we still have importance of memorization grades, but I think schools universities and employees employers in abroad and uh, in in india are still looking at those grades and hiring more and more indians mm. right uh, a lot of indians are are now working in the big uh, companies across the world so yes there are certain uh, challenges that we are facing but there are certain good things also that have happened in India, like, you know, most of the schools still hold on to the culture of India. They celebrate all the festivals and the diversity of learners that we have, because we have so many religions and so many cultures and so many languages. Uh, Children are already exposed to different types of people, children speaking so many languages, like one mother tongue, you would definitely know English, right? And then one state language and one national language. So any child in India would at least know three to four languages. That is because there are mandatory rules that, okay, every child apart from English should know the national language and the state language. So Greshma, where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? So uh, I am out there on LinkedIn. Uh, My profile is Greshma Mumaya. You can follow me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on Instagram, which says Empower with Greshma. Uh, You can reach out to me on, on, uh, you know, on the messengers on LinkedIn and Instagram, and we can have a conversation. You know, I would love to meet new people across the world. And you never know, there are so many learnings that both of us had in this conversation, right? So similarly, it would be nice to have just a virtual coffee with uh, one educator sitting across the world. Greshma, thank you so much for your time today. This was very informative for me. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, John, for for this conversation. I absolutely enjoyed it because uh, it was just very, very organic, I felt. It was just a normal conversation. And I'm sure your listeners and the followers that I have would definitely benefit from this podcast. So thank you so much. I totally agree. And thank you, Greshma. Thank you for listening today. I hope you got some great tips that you can bring back into your teaching. Remember, have a life teaching without sacrificing your own. Also, don't forget to subscribe and be well.